Today on Inside the Ropes, Sandy Jamison, Lucas Herbert. Oh, and a little bit about coronavirus in golf. Let's go. You're listening to Inside the Ropes, Australia's must-listen-to golf show with exclusive content from both home and abroad. Subscribe through your favourite podcast app or listen at golf.org.au. G'day, everybody. Welcome to the show. It is Inside the Ropes, episode number 155. Has this crazy time uh, on planet Earth continues to unfold as we sit here now. And uh, by the time you listen to this, who knows what a different world it will be. Things are changing hourly upon hourly. Mark Hayes, good to see you. You too, Murray. I think the only thing certain is that it will change by the time we record and the time it's listened to. Exactly. Ali Whitaker is living it, uh, <laughs> being such an international part of the golfing community at the moment. It's lovely to see you here. And at some stage throughout the show, we'll pick your brain as to how this is kind of impacting upon you. But lovely to see you here for the time being. It is great to be here, guys. Good to see you both. Lucas Herbert and Sandy Jamison are going to join us on the show We're, for very different reasons. And I'm looking forward to having a chat about them both. Where do we want to start? The, the impact on on golf has been profound in a, in a very short period of time with coronavirus. We now know what happened last week and one of the great, well, probably the, the week of most heightened expectation uh, on the golfing calendar for many has been, has wiped. been yeah, wiped. Pretty profound week yeah, in the world Yeah, I mean, golf. obviously, and he goes without saying that we're, we're – an insignificant part of the bigger of picture. So let's yep. just take that as red. But yeah, to lose the Masters, um, all the other tournaments caving in, even the ANA Inspiration, which was you know not obviously devastating news. It's huge. Um, yeah. it, it's that doesn't pale into insignificance. But the Masters is the hammer blow mm. um, because it's the one time that, regardless of its men's or women's golf or whatever it is, it cuts through into mainstream media like no other tournament does. Um, and that's a big loss for the, for the sport, to be honest. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, we saw people as they tried to, um, you know, scurry and find a position in the calendar for the masters to be rescheduled. And then you hear Jack Nicholas say, I've got my doubts. And as a member of Augusta national, I think they're pretty well founded. You know, you, you know, he's in no better place than Jack Nicholas to mm. provide that quote. And they're not going to put on a tournament there when the grass is brown um, in the middle of summer, there's a million different reasons why they're not going to have it. So if they can find something, great, but I wouldn't be holding my breath. Your reaction? I find it very interesting because for me, the Masters, for some of the reasons that Hazy's just mentioned, is kind of the benchmark because there's this there's this almost, and I say this respectfully, there's this element of Augusta National being slightly above the laws of golf. Yeah. And, and it, it, you know, they have, A, they have the budget to do whatever they want. They have almost infinite funds mm-hmm. that that golf club they have so much influence in terms of the people that are associated with the club and the intelligence that they're privy to would probably be of a higher rung than almost anyone in terms of golf clubs around the world um them cancelling was almost definitive that everything else would would be cancelled for me and i i was hoping to go over to the augusta national women's amateur actually mm. this year and be a part of that and even last Friday, I was talking to some of the people involved and um, and they weren't sure what was going to happen. And they said, we're going ahead as though it'll happen. So let's just see, you know, see how everything unfolds. And uh, and then as soon as that travel ban came in from um, mainland Europe, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion because you can't really hold events when everyone that's qualified can't be a part of them. So San Francisco uh, next is the PGA Championship, Harding Park. Harding Park. CDC recommending the American Health Organizations re- re- recommending that gets cancelled already. Uh, Wingfoot, uh, the US Open. Um, there is a so May Harding Park. Yep, that's right. so. You, yeah, so then the US Open in June. June. Yep. Uh, at the moment, we've got a one mile containment zone around that golf course. The British Open or the Open Championship, Royal St. George's. July. July. At the moment, we've got US-UK travel bans in operation and Europe has been identified now as the epicentre of coronavirus. As we sit here right now at five to one on the 17th of, um, what is it, March? March. What are the likelihoods, what's the likelihood of any of these tournaments being played? What's your gut feel? Minimal. I mean, we're sitting here and, and you can throw in all the women's majors up to that point. The women's US Open will be in the same, almost the same logistical position as Shinnecock. Yep. Uh, no, I apologise for all the other two. If we sat here and went through all the other 
tours. Yeah. And, yeah. So I just, I'm just focusing. Apologies to the yeah everybody else. Yeah. I just and and you know clearly, um, the same will apply in Evian and Women's British yep, Open. Of course. So yep. if you sit here and you think, are the Olympics going to run? And I think the answer in most people's head is probably no. Then how? And that's probably in a country that's really well controlled um, by other standards, anyhow. And that's in late July, early August. And you sort of think eh, it's getting to the point where it's a bit sort of dicey. And that's a logistical thing as well, of course. But you've got to think everything before that's in a world of trouble. Yeah, yeah. the way that I'm thinking about it is I'd, I'd be amazed if we saw any golf before July, in yeah. all honesty. And I, and I hope I'm wrong because I have a lot of work planned mm, before July yeah. that I would love to, to go and be a part of. But um, as it stands, you know, March 17th, 1 p.m., uh, the, the Olympics are going ahead. That is that is the, oh, the word yeah. as it stands in the in the above ground channels and below ground channels. Um, if it can really? be done, yep. If it can be done, it will be done. Uh, they are adamant to look for a solution. To, who's who's they? I, I mean, all of the Olympic Committee, the the world organisers. Um, I mean, obviously, from a TV and media perspective, they would love for that to happen as well because mm. it's it would be just as such a a beacon of light if it can be done and managed properly. Obviously, it could very quickly go the other way if it's not. So I think they're just literally trying to go through contingency after contingency as it, as it stands. Let, let me throw a proposition to you two and feel free to let us know what you think on our social media platforms. With everything carrying an asterisk that I follow with from this point on the, in the history books, if the show... If, if we want the show to go on, right, albeit in a compromised uh, form, which it will be if the travel bans and stay in place that we're existing now, what, why not play these events but with domestic fields? Just play them. Just play them. But domestic fields. So, so the 2020 PGA Championship has an asterisk on it forever. US players only played. But it's a US only field. Likewise, the Open Championship, only people from continental Europe and the UK can play in it. Well, would, would, why wouldn't that be considered? Or would it, is, it, is it a ridiculous thing, to, a ridiculous proposition? And, and the same applies to all. The same applies to LPGA Tour events, PGA Tour events, European Tour events. The show goes on, but there's no international players crossing borders to play in these events. Well, the main thing would be obviously that none of the money could count towards any yep. rankings. All anywhere. of that—that's all yeah. suspended. And world, yep. world rankings yep. all out the door. Well, it's as all well. suspended. Yep. Um, I'm I'm not against the concept of potentially repurposing those events, whether or not they keep the same name, whether or not they, you know. But the the, the idea of keeping the same time slot and opening up opportunities for people to play if the environment's safe is something that um, golf is one of the only sports that can still be going ahead don't potentially crowds. It, can, you don't, it can operate without crowds no and i don't it, to be honest with you i mean i've got a reasonable idea of the logistics that it takes to put together a broadcast as well you have a truck you've got 20 people in a very close yep confined space um in a production truck but apart from that it, everything can be reasonably well spread out and in theory managed you know you know i was thinking about this the other day you could have someone on every green tending the pin the pin's the only thing mm, that you all spot touch on. So you have one person yep. that pulls the pin for everyone on 18 holes. So there's no, you know, and you don't actually have to have contact with probably anyone else but your caddy. Or just keep your glove on. Or the caddy can wear gloves. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Um, there are opportunities. I, I'm curious as to how they would fit between the confines and the, the regulations that have been set by each country currently. Yeah. Yeah. I'm normally the beacon of optimism, Andy, but I, I don't like that idea. Yeah. I can't see it happening, by the way. It's not. It's, oh, not it's, going it's a good happen. idea. Yeah. I just, I just think that a major championship is a major championship. Yeah, that's that was yeah. And I, without any knowledge at all, um, this is not. This is just me. I sort of tend to think that Augusta National pulled the pin because there are no crowds. You know, and that is yeah, symbolic is. Yep. of the Masters. Is that roar that echoes up through the trees and the back nine sort of moves and the whole you know, the feeling of what it is. And we, we remarked on it when Patrick Reed won because it was absent. Mm. You know, that's what it was. To me, that's only, that's only me gibbering. But I, I sort of think that that's a factor in the decision. Um, I can't imagine 
saluting in a tournament that's got an asterisk and having no crowd, it wouldn't feel like you've won a major. Of course it wouldn't. Well, it wouldn't be a major. I think that's the point. I, you know, it, it might be the same event. It might be at the same venue the same week, but I don't think that it would necessarily get the major nod. That's what you, I mean by repurposing. Do you run the week before and the week after's events? It's a good question. Well, well, I don't know. I just, I'm I, to be honest with you, I see golf, as I've mentioned, as one of the things that we can actually still be doing during this this period of I time. I, I, I agree with that. And we've been talking about that in the Golf Australia office about, you know, while you have to be um, aware and, and empathetic and sympathetic towards the bigger picture, golf could be in a position sooner than later to branch back out in a social sense, not yeah. in a competitive sense. But you, there's no reason why if you're not traveling, you can't go and play with your mates because you're walking meters and meters away from them. So... Um, there was a, a recommendation put to all clubs by Golf Australia this week to have the club, have the pin left in. So now that there's no rule breaches there, it's not a problem. Mm. You can leave the pin in and, and uh, you know, that that's a step forward to eradicating something. Clearly there's going to be issues in the, you can't go to the 19th and have 400 beverages. Um, but do you want to play and do your social thing and get your exercise in? Yeah, golf should go. And one of the things, obviously, we have to make a nod in terms of tour golf. It's the tour's responsibility to keep their players safe. Um, I have endless amounts of respect for Mike Wan, the way that he handles things. He apologised essentially publicly to the players saying and asked the sponsors not to blame the players for, you know, what he said was his decision and one that he didn't want to make. Mm -hmm. Um, He's so human in the way that he just takes responsibility for the decisions that he makes publicly, I, I really have a lot of re- respect for that. But there's a, there's another thing where a lot of the companies that are spending the money on golf are also experiencing financial hardship. Very good point. So yep. that you know, obviously, where the money comes from, there are companies and businesses that are benefiting from this. Streaming rates are going up. You know, electricity is going up. Um, like you know, all of the telecommunications stuff is going off right now because everyone's on their phones. Everyone's mm. streaming online at home. Um, obviously, you know, it's probably not a bad time to have shares in something like Glen 20 mm. <laughs> in terms of disinfectant. Yeah, but there are places. No, you're, so, you make a really good point. You know, we yeah. could yeah. potentially find sponsors and partnerships within those businesses going forward. But, I mean, it's just, it's such an unknown. Oh, no, it really is. But yeah. on the flip side of that, and we were having a discussion in some sort of um, chat the other day, um, the problems are going to be long and hard for some companies to even who who have long standing associations with golf can they stump up this year or even next year to be part of that mm. um you know it's going to be problematic to see whether some tournaments don't even get off the ground i mm. mean and that's literally a fear mm. and at clubland you know here in australia they're all at the moment they're all acting a bit unilaterally unilaterally from one another they're all making up their own decisions on how best to deal with the advent of this, I don't know whether GA at some stage is going to come out with a blanket sort of, you know, Cricket Australia has come out and said the Shield is finished and we recommend that local club competitions cease uh, for the foreseeable few. In fact, cancel their 2019-2020 season. So that is an edict that's come out when it comes to club cricket from Cricket Australia. I don't know whether GA is under any sort of pressure, for want of a better word, to sort of have an umbrella sort of... It's actually a different. It's a different thing because Cricket Australia has, you know, every cricket club has a direct line to Cricket Australia, and they're answerable ultimately to Cricket Australia. Whereas golf clubs are independent bodies. Yeah, right. So we have got. Yep. We've, in some respects, that uh, makes Golf Australia a toothless tiger, and we can offer recommendations. We can't enforce anything. So you know, we can say keep playing or don't keep playing or whatever it is, um, but it's up to the individual clubs. Yeah, yeah. Pennant's an issue, an issue. For example, here in Melbourne, I think this weekend upcoming, Metro is hosting, and they've got a no-guest policy at the moment. So come and play if you're a member, but no guests. Well, what do you do with the visiting players? Yeah, well, and this the Victorian pennant and I think South Australian pennant, I'm not 100% sure on that, is, is under the auspices of Golf Australia. Mm. But, you know, normal pennant between... I'm just picking, you know, Dubbo and Parks, mm-hmm. just picking two places. That's not a Golf Australia yeah, thing. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's just 
can the association see its way clear to hold that event? So yep. it, it's it's hard to make a blanket ruling with with golf clubs because there's so many different bodies involved. And there's also there's such different businesses. You know, we're going to talk to Sam, Sandy Jamison um, a little hmm. bit later, and what he's doing in golf. Compare that to you know the you know a, a sandbelt golf course, course. Um, with thousands of memberships versus a public track where it's doing something slightly differently. Um, you know, to, to put them under the same cloche would be difficult. Uh, let's get a break out of the way, shall we? Cause so it's just so confusing. It maybe. is, mate. And that's and everybody, people listening to this, I'm sure people are grappling with, can I go, am I allowed to go to my golf club? Should I, should I go to my, and more people, you know, you mentioned golf. I mean, if people are being quarantined and people are being forced to take leave early and people are being sent home, well, golf clubs are going to be a haven. I, I know that if I was t- told to leave work and I, I was told to shut down for four I'd be heading to the golf club every day. You know, we in a, in a different forum where you and I chat and Bob Murphy made yeah. a bit of a funny comment. He actually said, Ellie, that um, he finally figured out why golf was wear gloves. This was specifically for uh, <laughs> okay. you know, COVID-19 COVID <laughs> preparations for years and years. Ah. It's, you know, it's stupid and it's funny and that's Bob, you know, yep. clever. But it's actually not a bad idea. Whack your Tommy Ganey two gloves yeah, on. Well, you go. Leave your pin in the hole. Yep. Don't cuddle your mate when he beats you three and two, Yep, you're all good. And if you want to go and have a lemon lime and bitters after the round, just do it with two or three people. Yeah. Don't and sit it opposite of the big, table or yeah, something. Yeah, don't sit on a big table. But, you know, you can do it. Yeah. The biggest problem for golf clubs is is not necessarily what's happening on course. It's can they keep their staff yep. to provide the sausage rolls and lemon lime and it's bitters fine. and that sort of stuff. And can, can the catering arms and convention arms of clubs, whatever size they are, can they exist for the next month or five what, months or whatever? Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Uh, Lucas Herbert going to join us next. You're listening to Inside the Ropes. Let's go back Inside the Ropes with Golf Australia. Welcome back to the show. Uh, it was great having Felicity Johnson on the show last week, giving us a bit of a preemptive strike as to what life's going to be looking like for her on the LET and all her colleagues as well. Uh, well, let's bring it even a bit closer to home with one of ours who's back home uh, and wondering, I'm sure, like so many others, what comes next. Of course, we talk about Lucas Herbert, good friend of everybody here on Inside the Ropes, and he's been good enough to give us some of his time. Herbie, thanks for joining us, mate. Hello, gang. It's nice to do something different for a change. <laughs> well, what, okay. Well, let's set the scene. Where are you and what have you been doing lately? Um, well, I'm back home uh, up in Queensland. Um Kind of in a holding pattern, really. Uh, it's sort of a bit of a difficult one at the moment, obviously. Um, I was probably... I came down to Victoria last week uh, just to sort of see some family and friends and whatnot. And uh, the plan was to fly out on Wednesday to go to um, Texas to sort of potentially have a look at the match play. Um, and then... I think Thursday I came off the golf course and had a look and, and Trump had sort of put the travel ban on Europe uh, from the US. So I was pretty, I got pretty concerned at that point that um, I was going to get stuck here and have the match play go on, but me not be able to get into the country. So kind of packed up everything really quick and changed all my plans and flew back here to get all my stuff. And then the next day uh, everything had been cancelled on uh, the, like obviously the players championship and the uh, and the next four weeks in a row so then I was I didn't need to get in any rush and I'm now just sort of sitting here kind of having a bit of a break but then also sort of starting to gear up um, some sort of longer term plans that we can get going for when we do actually go and play next How cruel is that Lucas because you know you're, you're referring to the, the match play in uh, in Texas you had to get in the top 64 in the world and you got there on the knocker <laughs> right at the right at time perfect time and you know it couldn't have come together better than to have this happen um yeah i mean it it is cruel when you look at it like that i guess um but if the players championship had gone ahead there was sort of there was like a a graph i had with all the players that were playing and what they needed to finish to um (laughs) to knock me out basically and like there was like 15 guys that i needed to basically have a poor week and well, I looked at it after the first round, and I think like ten of the guys that I needed to miss the cut were all like four under and running top ten. So I don't think I would have gotten in had they continued everything anyway. But yeah, um, yeah it's uh, it's it's a bit cruel like that. But I mean, I'm, I'm I've got it. I think 
I've got it pretty lucky with how this has all turned out because I've obviously won earlier in the year, set myself up financially to be able to withstand potentially 12 months off. Um, you know, you just don't know how long this will hang around and how long these bands will keep going for. Um, and, yeah, third on the race to Dubai. The more events they, they cancel, the better that is for me. Um, obviously, my world ranking points are more recent, so the more more they don't play, the, the higher I'm going to um, climb the world rankings just sitting at home. So, um, yeah, if, if there was sort of a, a perfect way to have this all happen, then, I, like, I've kind of got it. So I can't look at too many things in that negative sort of spin that you try to put on me there, Hazy. <laughs> well played, well played. Lucas, in terms of obviously you can't say anything that's kind of confidential within the tours, but has, has there been any kind of directive in terms of, you know, when the next opportunity for you guys to play might be and whether, you know, even these US events, you know, talks of maybe the match play being rescheduled for later in the year, like is there, what what's the kind of narrative um, within the tour at the moment? Yeah, look, there's nothing confidential that I know that I couldn't say. Um, it's it's just a it's a massive guessing game. I mean, everyone, it's really hard with social media to get an actual grip on how bad the situation is. It's hard to know whether it's being blown out of the water or whether it's actually maybe not. Everyone's not um, understanding this as, to be as big as what it is. But I mean, there's guys that are saying there's like a 70% chance there's going to be six months off, and then there's you know I'm hearing other reports that it's well, obviously, there's only been events cancelled until the Masters. The, the RBC Heritage has, has said that they are going to try and, um, and run their events still. So um, there's so many different opinions running around of, of how long um, the coronavirus is going to be around that it, it's really hard to gauge, um, yeah, how long we will actually be sitting out for. I think, yeah, like, it's going to be very hard to reschedule events. I mean, the, both tours are, are pretty much playing every week, so... If you don't play the event on the week that it's kind of scheduled, then it's very hard to reschedule. So, um, yeah, we've, I mean, I don't really know much more than you guys do, to be honest. It's just kind of a daily monitoring thing. At the moment, it's just monitoring what's been cancelled rather than sort of getting any updates. So, uh, yeah, it's one of those situations. But, yeah, like I said, I mean, I'm pretty happy with where I'm at um, within all this. And I'd, I'd hate to be sort of, I mean, you, you think of guys that have, you know, maybe guys that have come through Q school and, and just had a great start to the year or even some of the guys that have played out in tour for 10 years and have had an average start to the year and outside the, the 110 to keep their card. Like, if the European tour stops at this point, where do we where do we go with status for next year or where do we go with, you know, who keeps their card and who doesn't? And um, that, could be a pretty, that could be a pretty tough debate and you wouldn't kind of want to get on the wrong side of that. So uh, I'm, pre- I'm pretty happy and pretty fortunate to sort of not have to worry about all that. Yeah, well, it's pretty safe to say that kind of the next couple of months are uncertain. What wasn't uncertain was your start to the year um, and your incredible win in Dubai. We're not going to talk about the Sunday night, uh, but also your your form in the, in the weeks after that. Can you talk us through a little bit of, in terms of like the opportunities that that win opened up for you? Yeah, I mean, it was obviously great um, getting the start in Mexico off the back of winning and um, and then probably freeing up my schedule a little bit to be able to go to play New Zealand rather than you know, we sort of had that one at the start of the year as a bit of a, it could have gone either way. If I had started the year poorly, then we we're going to go back and play Oman and Qatar. But um, given the start of the year I had, I wanted to go and play New Zealand. I, just, I really love Queenstown and um, that event's awesome. So uh, it was it was great to be able to go and play both those events um, off the back of the win. And yeah, I mean, um, it was good to, so I, I was, I guess I was pretty proud of myself to, to have that win and then continue on with, good form and not sort of slump off really quickly and and um, and put in some poor results kind of off the back of, you know, whether it be celebrating too hard or, you know, now the, the care's not there anymore. Like, I was I was pretty proud to sort of obviously carry on the momentum and the um, the confidence that you get out of winning, but, um, you know, to keep sort of thinking of the, the next week in front of us and then, you know, kind of be able to compartmentalise. And, and, yeah, like, there was... There's been some time to celebrate since the win, which has been great. But then, yeah, we've obviously knuckled down and, and got back to business when I've needed to as well. You've, you've played a ton of big events in the past, but most of those you'd kind of qualified for. Was there a bit of a different feeling in terms of going to Mexico and teeing it up next to those boys, kind, you know, in from a different format, from getting there kind of off your own bat rather than, you know, just kind of qualifying into them? Um, I mean, it was my first WGC event, so it was, it was interesting to kind of work out the vibe and the feel of the event. You know, you sort of 
you're playing the golf course, not really sure how it's going to be set up with how how hard they're going to make it. Um, you know, like the first, like my first major was Shinnecock, and I'm walking around there going like, I've got no idea whether 10 under is going to win around here or 5 over is going to win around here, and that was that was kind of hard to comprehend because um, you sort of don't really know where to set your goals, I guess, in that respect. Like, um, so yeah, it was a very, it was kind of a new experience being in Mexico. Um, I mean, it's, it's not, a, I wouldn't have said that I felt like I was out of place qualifying for the other two or well, three majors that I played as well. Um, you know, I definitely got there off my own back and, um, and played some good golf. And I mean, even, yeah, the win in Dubai beat some very high quality players. So, it's not. I've not really felt like. I think it's different if you're playing whether it be PGA Tour events or European Tour events off an invite, um, where you maybe don't feel like you've got the results and the the credibility behind why you're there in the field. But um, any time that you've actually earned your way in there, literally off a score that you shot off your own club, like there's there's no there's no feeling like you I guess don't belong or um, that you're kind of looking around wondering. Like, is everyone else thinking, what's this guy doing here? Like, it's not like that at all. Mate, we, uh, we marveled at what you did in Dubai, um, and you realised perhaps better than anyone how hard it is to get up to the top rung of the podium. Did you? Could you believe, and I'm not denigrating Brad Kennedy here at all because he's a friend of the pod and we love him, but could you believe the back nine performance he put on in Queenstown to blow past you and rip another one out of you? Um, could I believe it? Yes. I mean, he's obviously a very talented player. Like the golf course, if anything, really set up quite well for him. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah, he he has the capability to do that. Now, obviously, in the weeks prior to that, he'd, he'd struggled to to finish out tournaments. Um, and you know, going into the back nine, I I can't, I knew that, so um, I knew that if if I did let anything slide, then he was going to feel that pressure as well, being up the top of the leaderboard. So, um, but I mean, full credit to him. Like that was some back nine. I was kind of <laughs> sitting there. I think I turned. I think I turned at 19 under, um, and I thought if I shot three under, that he's going to have to go and shoot sort of five or six under to win this. And um, I didn't think it was doable. And then yeah, he just played really good golf. He kept on making birdies when I was kind of. I was thinking, like, he's got to be letting up here somewhere. And, yeah, he just did. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I didn't play that well on the last day, I felt like. Obviously, the back nine was a struggle. So, um, I obviously didn't make it ridiculously hard for him. But um, I certainly didn't hand it to him. And, and he played so well. So, um, I mean, he deserved it. He shot 63 or 64 on Sunday. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like that. I mean, yeah, that deserves to win. Hey, you know, we've been following you closely, obviously, on this show and, you know, people in Australian golf. And in a really kind of short period of time, you've experienced a lot out there. If As you have this chance to kind of sit back and, and take stock and, you know, look forward and at the same time reflect a little bit about where you're at, is there is there a lesson you've learned about, you know, life in the place that you find yourself right now? Um. I mean, there's so many that you learn. There's not really like one that kind of trumps everything. Mm. Um, I guess like, I mean, I guess you've got to, you've got to really enjoy what you're doing and, um, and, and, and want to go out and, and enjoy the chase and the, the grind of getting better. Um, I think once you start losing that, that's like, that's a sort of first stop to really, you know, get in a, in quite a bad way. So, uh, yeah, like I think obviously it's, it's come out a fair bit with a lot of players recently with their mental health. Um, guys really struggling with that side of things. And yeah, like that, I mean, that has to be number one for everyone. You've got to have, uh, you got to be happy and have a, you know, a healthy kind of mind um, to be able to go and compete. And it's, I mean, it's, it's difficult. Everyone, it's really hard because we have a we have a great job. Don't get me wrong; like we travel the world and play golf. There's not a lot to complain about there. But um, I think the image that most people that sit at home on the couch get about what it's like to travel and play golf is a lot different from what it actually is. Mm. Um, because you're fighting for your your income and you're living week in week out, and it's you know it's not just a boys' trip that you get to go and play a few different <laughs> courses on throughout. Like it, it it's it's really tough and. Um, 
just even trying to trying to maintain some sense of like routine through your life, just getting basic day-to-day stuff done, it can be quite difficult when you're on the road. So, yeah, like mental health has to be number one for for being able to go out and and enjoy the grind and the chase of of um, you know trying to be your best, and then from there, it's it, it all kind of falls into place a lot easier. But yeah, we, I could sit here for another hour and a half trying to explain to you. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I meant yeah. that I've out there, but that's probably the biggest one. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. So last time you were heard on an Aussie golf podcast, Herbie, I think it was the PGA's podcast. You, you know, you talked about the battles that you'd faced, and you know, would you even go back out there? Sounds like you're in a much better place now. Is there? Couldn't you? Can, it's hard to put numbers on it, but but is that true? Do you feel like you're in a, a happier position in your career? Hundred um, percent. I mean, you can just you can kind of just measure it straight away by how excited you are to go away next. And like when I got to when I, I'd sort of I'd taken a big break off from when I got my car. I, I sort of locked up my card for this year in France last year, and then basically just flew home and went. I'm putting the clubs away until I actually want to play again. Um, I want to play a tournament again. So that sort of came around at the Australian events. Like you kind of, it's pretty easy to get the itch for it at the Australia at Australian events. So I played those two and then I maybe had like four days off over Christmas. And then I was like, I was actually really genuinely excited to get back into everything again. Um, and it was like, I was keen to go away to play Abu Dhabi in Dubai. And it was not like this sense of, it wasn't like you were counting down the days until you got home. Like I was just, I was actually really excited to go away and, go and prepare for events and, and do all that sort of stuff. And when it's kind of, when I got to that point of like, I wasn't measuring my time off, by, oh, my, my time away by how many days I was away, then I think, then I realised I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying this a hell of a lot more than um, than I was six months ago, which um, it's great. It makes everyone else's job around me a lot easier because, you know, they're not trying to drag me out to the course to play or <laughs> trying to, you know, console me over dinner at night or, or whatever, and probably Ali's job a lot easier when I see her out there as well. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's I'm in a much better place, and it yeah it makes things a lot easier. And the, well, the thing to note uh, about this as well is that it, that came before the results did. It's so easy when you look back and you've had a win and to look back favourably, but I can attest to the fact that he was in a much better place pre Dubai and has gone from strength to strength since then. Herbie, just speaking of Dubai, before we let you go, just one last quick one. Um, can you let us in? Because Ali's been really secretive about this. We want to know who was the worst behaved <laughs> oh, in Dubai exactly. on Sunday night. Yeah. She is, exactly. Why do you think Ali's very secretive about that? <laughs> surely not her. Oh, not you, Woody Gay. Don't say a word. <laughs> not do not, her, no, surely. we may have we may have nearly got kicked off the dance floor at about three a.m. When the you morning. say we. Oh, Lucas was oh, involved. Okay, right, yeah, 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 no, yeah. there's, um, yeah, evidently lifting someone up on a dance floor not so good not in so Dubai. Good. Okay. So, uh, oh, really? yeah, no one was, no one was hurt in the making of that right. film. Herbie, <laughs> did you gave one of the great answers about what what your future held? That that hangover did that obviously came true, and did that is that bottle of uh, scotch still in existence? Uh, well, I, I mean, I claim on a technicality I didn't have a hangover because I had like two hours sleep and I woke up still drunk. Right. So <laughs> it wasn't really a hangover. Right. Um, but also, like, I mean, so the bottle of scotch comment, my um, my friends for my 21st, I'm obviously 24 now, for my 21st birthday, my friends bought me a bottle of Blue Label Johnny Walker and said, you can open this when you win your first tournament. Mm-hmm. So that's been sitting in the cupboard for ages and ages. And I finally obviously won an event. So that was kind of, that was, I'd had that in the back of my mind. Obviously, when you're getting close to winning, was that that bottle is is going to go pretty soon. So, um, yeah, we had like a there was a group chat of everyone that had um, that had bought me that, and it has been inactive for about four years, and so or three years, however long it had been. So, basically, just went on to that, and I was like, oh, guys, I've got a bottle of scotch here. Does anyone want to help me drink it? So, that's uh, all but polished off, and. Um, yeah, there's, there's been plenty of other celebrating that's happened back home, which is, um, I think it's key. You've got to celebrate when you, yeah. when you have your wins and your good times. And um, I think it's a fair excuse for, for having a hangover is, is, uh, is celebration. Um, but, yeah, sort of get that all out of the system and, and get ready to go again, which obviously now is, um, you don't know when it's going to be. But, yeah, that's sort of uh, how it all went down and very tight-lipped about, Sunday nights, uh, Andy. Oh, what happens on tour? What happens on tour? What happens on tour stays on tour. <laughs>
Hey, mate, really good to hear you sounding so good. Um, uh, you've you've experienced a lot in a short period of time, as we said, and, and may there be many, many more highs to come. We all suspect there's likely to be. So um, enjoy the time at home while you can. Uh, you're going to spend a lot of time on the road in the next 10, 15, 20 years. We all know that. So um, while it's not for ideal reasons, make sure you make the most of it, like many, many will. So uh, all the best. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Good on you. Yeah. Lucas Herbert, good friend of Inside the Ropes, joining us. Let's go back Inside the Ropes with Golf Australia. Welcome back to the show. Uh, there are many interesting people in the world of golf. Very much so. There's a lot of very interesting people that make up this great game. <laughs> but we're joined in the studio by one of the most interesting in this neck of the woods, and he's been pretty busy lately altering golf cards and designing golf clubs and hopefully changing the way this game is taught to people who want to learn it. I'm talking about Sandy Jamison, a man well-known to everybody around this table. And he's been good enough to join us for the first time in the studio on Inside the Ropes. Lovely to see you. Thanks, guys. Uh, long-time listener, first-time participant. <laughs> <laughs> nice to see you haven't got your shirt tucked in either. No, nah, mate. According to some of us here, that's the rule that should be upheld. The only time I tuck my shirt in is if I get invited back to one of the private golf clubs, and then I'll <laughs> sort of begrudgingly do that. I even wear jeans to work sometimes. What? And I've just ordered, ordered custom hoodies. <laughs> so I figure, <laughs> so well, a hoodie's sport, isn't it? Uh, wear, who wears uh, Justin Thomas wore a hoodie mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, didn't he? And it caused all sorts, in a competitive round. Yeah, we wear them all the time in the women's game. We do, genuinely. We do, that's right. Yeah, I reckon yeah. I saw Jess Corder wearing a hoodie easily five, five years ago. Adidas have been doing it forever and uh, in their kind of golf clothing lines for women. I, I just reckon even in um, even in private golf clubs, there's like different dress regulations and whatever. I just... Sport, golf's a sport. We should be comfortable. Why should that? Why should any? You're, you're an old stickler. For this sort of, you're an old stickler yeah. in the mud with this sort of stuff. Yeah, no, I'm very particular. Are about you anti hoodie on the golf course? No, I couldn't come bikini. Come like <laughs> a, come like an Inuit. I couldn't care less. I really couldn't care Lingerie less. Lingerie golf. Well, if that's what rocks your world, uh, get onto it. But if you don't want to come as a Michelin man, then get into that just too. Make sure I don't sun, care. Sunscreen it up. Sunscreen, got yeah. it. Lingerie, yeah. Lee, but wear a hat. Slip, slop, slap. Yeah, there. You go. Yeah, there you go. Um, Al, do you want to – you go a long way back with this bloke. I can do. Can you compose yourself? I can, we, uh, yeah. I can't make eye contact with Hazy, but I can, <laughs> I can Tell do us it. about the Whittaker-Jamison relationship. Well, um, Jamo and I have known each other since I got into the Victorian Institute of Sport when he was one of the coaches there. He also worked with Jared Lyle. It has a long list of players that has been on his, uh, his, his roster in the past and – one of the best things about Jamo is the way that he thinks. So if you didn't know him before today, if you hadn't heard his name before today, he's the guy that always kind of thought outside the box. Um, whenever there was something with my golf game, he'd, he'd dream up a way to think of something to build to make it work. There was always – and he'd come in, he'd be like, I've been thinking about this drill. Why don't we try this out? And so he's, um, yeah, one of the most creative thinkers in the game and I'm happy to kind of be able to pick your brains today. Oh, we'll see what, if there's anything there. Yeah. <laughs> so that stuff is all geared towards the individual. Is that is that one of the ethoses of your coaching kind of um, methodology? Look, it's developing all the time. I'd suggest that the big thing for me, my primary thing, is I assume that no one's stupid. They can all get out of bed in the morning. They can all get to the golf course. So there will be a way, and they can all walk. We all look pretty similar. The way There will be a way to get them playing golf, and mm. um, golf is a very easy fun and affordable game. Geez, that'd be music to the ears of a lot of people, wouldn't it? There's a, there's a sales pitch. Oh, well, it just because makes sense. And as we go through this next few minutes here with Sandy, it'll become more obvious as to why that's so attainable, I believe. People don't believe that, Sandy. People think it's a really difficult game. Well, mate, I, and look, I'll, I'll have shy. I'm a mad podcast listener and I've listened, I listen to Inside the Ropes all the time along with every other one. And the, I, I cringe every time I hear people, and you guys are guilty, um, saying, oh, you know, it's a hard game. Yeah, we do. And I'd say, well, you, you just name me an easy game. Go on, you call, call me an easy game. Well, all right, well, I will. Basketball if you don't have to shoot it. Okay, well. Cornholing. Cornholing. All right. Basketball dribbling, it's easy? Easier. You, you, but you can still play basketball without being a rampant dribbler. Although there's a few ramp, ramp and dribbles yeah. around this table. <laughs> but you know I'm what guilty of that as well. <laughs> I guess my point is that at its core, golf's a very easy game yeah. unless you want to try and play it like um, Tiger Woods okay. or Minji Lee. And a lot of the 
faults I've made in the past coaching the game is you make an assumption that a shot's only good if it comes out of the middle of the club and goes in the air and goes exactly where you want it. But the reality is that when you're first starting, making contact with the ball, moving it forward, keeping it in front of you is the key. So the four pillars of what I do, and this is, I've changed the order just recently. The four pillars are really simple. Safety. Number one, I don't want anyone to get hurt. Number two is speed of play. So if I'm going to put someone on the golf course and I'll have them on the course within 15 minutes of getting there for the first time, they're playing. Wow. Okay. So if I want them to be on the golf course and fit with the community, be a good golfing citizen, they have to be able to play at a speed that's not going to hold other people up so we can share the environment. Uh, and that's really easy. So I, if you see my social media, I'll do posts of people, their second ever hole ever in a group of four, finishing the hole in four and a half, five minutes. Uh, it's part three, but we've got eight minute tea time. So explain as long as we can get it done in under that time, you're not going to annoy anyone. Just keep playing. Yep. Number three is the easy one, which is hit the ball. And number four is course care. Now I say hit the ball's easy. And the other thing I'll say are there any golf coaches at mini golf? No, not that I've ever seen. No, everyone can play mini golf. You can hit it accurately enough to get it. You might not get in the hole every time, but you'll get there eventually. So if you're willing to start with a really small swing and keep the ball in front of you, you know, picture a field hockey or something like mm -hmm. that. So that keep it in front of you and gradually develop the spatial awareness to hit the golf ball, you're going to be okay. If you go out with Hazy and... I haven't played before and Hazy takes me out there and stands up there and pulls the big dog out and smashes it 250. Can you hit it that far? Well, oh, downhill, yeah. downwind. Yeah. No, hey, but, can so he hits it. a 250 and then I try and emulate that. It's going to end in tears. So if you're willing to start at in a small sense, it's an easy game. It you, is one game too that you can do that with people. We better one, actually explain what – Oh, we, know, we do actually need to do that, yeah. We go back a step and, and, and say that, you know, Sandy's the, the creator – the instigator of one club golf, which is, I would say in my time in this, in the sport, whatever that's worth, um, would be the best way of attracting new people to the game, which is what we all need to be about. What is it? Well, I suppose oh, the one club, yeah. it's basically a club I designed. It's about the length of a nine iron and it's got a long iron loft on it. So you putt with it, you hit with it. If people say, how do I hit it smaller? I said, hit it softer. How do I hit it bigger? Hit it harder. Um, if I max out, I can hit it maybe 180 and then obviously I can hit an inch too. Yeah. Sometimes when I'm trying to hit it 180, but that's, <laughs> that, that's okay. Um, it's got a circle in the middle of the club face to show people where to hit it because believe it or not, sometimes that's not obvious and it's got a putter grip on it because- Which um, is fascinating to me. Well, I'll tell you who taught me that. I've had a fortunate life, lifetime. I've traveled a lot and met a lot of nice people. Um, had a long association with a guy called Ramsey McMaster. A lot of people yeah. know of Ramsey. Yep. Yep. Through him, we used to work and do lectures and stuff with Pete Cowan. And Pete oh. Cowan always taught people with a putter grip on it. And it's been ticking away on my head for, I don't know, 15 years. And then I suddenly thought, well, I don't want to teach grip anymore. Thumbs on top, hands close together. That'll be good enough. Off you go. It's fascinating to hear you say this. I know about you, Ali, and I don't know about you, Hazy, and I don't know about you either, Sandy, but... Think about when you first started playing the game. All I did was when I was trailing the old man around, all I did, it just gave me an old five iron and I just hit the five iron until I got to the green. But mate, hit a five iron all the time. That's how we started. Yeah. And look, a, a great story. Um, for many of you who will know, Michelle Beecroft, formerly Michelle Johnson. Um, Michelle's mum, Betty, is a legend down the Warrnambool way. She played off three for just decades She's got two golf pros as a kid, Shane Johnson and Michelle. She's got two other kids who are single-figure markers, like low single markers. Betty had no money. She's brought up by the grandparents. She still has a stick that she found in a tree to look like a golf club, and she hit a tennis ball around the farm. She learnt with a stick. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, I learnt with a five. You have to get Betty on. She's still, she's still got it. Yep. I learnt with a five iron. Yep. Uh, and then gradually added to my sets. But, you know, I was at a flash private golf club, Commonwealth. I love the place. Mm. But I'd get people turning up in the school holidays and you get kids who have got a $3,000 set of golf clubs and they play once or twice a year. I mean, mm. that makes it expensive um, to play. It's just a hurdle. You don't need it. Is this club, the club that I'm holding here, which is, is there's, there's some design curiosities to it. 
and you can tell us as much about that or, or you, as you want. You know, we don't want you confusing people, but is this club, do you cut the shaft of this to suit all sizes? Yeah, absolutely. All, yep, yep. Absolutely. I'm, I've got junior ones with a graphite shaft in it. The rest of it's like a unisex type shaft. Yep. yep. This is a gateway drug. You'll get hooked on this and then quickly you'll progress. I've got people who have been doing it at Oakley now since I've started with in November. Um, and they're now just naturally ending up with more clubs in the bag. That one of the things that I'd say, and I, I sort of have a laugh sometimes, I see club members out there off, you know, say, let's pick a 25 marker. Yep. They've got the laser range finder out. They're going, oh, I better wait for this group. <laughs> and what am I going to hit? Mate, it doesn't matter. <laughs> because unless you can hit the club in the middle of the face, it's not going to behave like the club you've picked out of the bag. Yep. And so the idea with the one club, <laughs> until you can hit that in the middle of the face often enough, um, you don't need another club. Mm. Once you can hit it in the middle of the face, uh, you know, around Oakley, which is a beginner's paradise, like you, you need to see the place. Mm. So you can get it around there in double the par is the, is the number I set. It's a par 29, so 58 shots. Then you get a putter. Right. And people, yeah, it's easier to play with a putter than a one club. I'll give you that. But then I need a bag, more expense. So get it around with the one club. And then once you've hooked enough to say, yeah, I'll do that, then I'll get your putter. Then I get you to wedge. Then I get you a wood, and you'll be able to get a handicap with those clubs. But there's there's something to this as well in the fact that, and you haven't kind of mentioned it yet, but it actually teaches you how to understand loft on a club, how to how to use all of the club face, use the leading edge, using the toes to kind of take a little bit of pace out of it as well, potentially. Like this, this learns it teaches you how to be a bit of a shot maker. Correct. So it, it gets you more like I. I went through, I hate golf phase myself. I'm golf pro. It's bizarre. I'm coaching golf. And I went through a phase where I just didn't want to play. People invite, oh, no, I don't want to play. Royal Melbourne, no, I don't want to play. I mean, I love Royal Melbourne. I love all these places. And I realized it's because what I had, I had a full set of golf clubs. And every time I had the right club for the shot, I was trying to make a perfect swing. Mm. And because I'm not practicing as much as I used to, the results weren't great. So I'd be frustrated. Whereas now I pull the one club out. And every time I'm playing, I'm being a bit more right brain trying to create something. And I went around the back nine of Commonwealth in three over par with a one club. Did you really? It, one club. One club. <laughs> no putter, no sand iron, just one club. And it forces The club you, I'm hanging on to. That club. It forces you to <laughs> strategize around, actually, I'm going to leave, I'm going to try and miss the green on purpose because I don't want to go in the bunker because I get in the bunker, I'm not yeah, going to get hard. it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just forces you to think a bit more about the game and play the courses perhaps the way they were designed before. We don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but yep. play the courses more along the ground and run them onto the front of these brilliant greens. You are so lucky you said that this week and not with clates on. <laughs> I've had clates out. Actually, I've had clates out to Oakley in the middle of winter. I said, mate, bring your golf shoes. He turns up in his dress shoes. I said, mate, no, no this is like Easton where you grew up in winter. <laughs> which he's got, it's a, it's a, it was sludge and there's no real architecture genius about Oakley. Um, but after three or four holes, he said, actually, this is fun. He said, this is fun. He started enjoying it when creating shots. And he loves Seve, so that helps yeah, with one club. That's very true. Uh, you've brought um, not only generically newcomers, but you've brought a whole new groups of people to the sport too, haven't you, in this in the first few months of this? Yeah, look, I, I think it's important to bring the whole community in because a little bit of history – Oakley Public Golf Course 20 years ago was doing 40,000 rounds a year. Uh, when I took over sort of October before my gear turned up, it was down to 17,000 rounds a year. Mm. Uh, Elston was just down the road. They closed that. And golf, rightly so, is an easy target to close golf courses if we as a community are not using the golf courses. Substitute your city as you're listening to this around Australia because yeah, yeah. it's, yep. it's absolutely relevant. So Oakley is in the city of Monash. Um, and there's 44,000 households in the city of Monash that speak Mandarin or Cantonese. Mm. So the very first thing I did is I got a mate's wife uh, who'd never played golf before and said, right, you're coming to work for me. I took her out there. Linda had her first ever go on a golf course, October 1. Linda now goes around Oakley Public Golf Course in 38 hits. <laughs> wow. Um, swings it great. She's only had three lessons. Uh, and every time she gets impatient, I say, I just keep doing what was done. She's now qualified as a Golf Australia community coach. And within the next few weeks, she'll be coaching unassisted without me, just the program, because it's a very simple thing to do. That's a great story. And, you, and you've opened up a whole new um, socioeconomic group towards the sport. Yeah. Look, 
the golf course needs to represent the the community. Um, yeah, we've got. I mean, I've got a whole lot of partnerships on form. It's all about partnerships. So Fairway Birdies now call that their home. Um, Nikki Wilson, who's a captain of Kingston Heath Golf Club, um, she started this fantastic thing. So we have them coming down and playing. Um, Glenn Holland, who runs the uh, Protect the Protectors, the PDSD stuff for the Vic Police. We've got a relationship through that, the Fire Brigade, all the sort of people who golf can be a saviour for. Uh, and, you know, I'm happy to say the figures at Oakley, since we're there, they're up 30%. Or so hopefully, I don't know how many other golf courses in Australia that are pumping out figures like that, but we're, we're going up and we haven't even started advertising yet. I'm sure that's against a national trend. Absolutely, Those, that, it sort is. Of, yeah. that sort of num- that sort of yeah. There are some clubs and facilities that have a an upward trend, but they're not thirty percent. I'll guarantee you, Sandy. People want to get this club. Do they have to come to you at Oakley? Is how do we at the moment? Yeah, look, yep. I'm. This is this is a trial, a fairly full on trial. To be yep. fair, um, I'm in big chats with Dave Gallucci over here from Golf Australia, who has been out multiple times. Um, the GA team's been fantastic, and um, I see this as being an Australia wide thing. The, the easy, fun, affordable, I'm not going to be a millionaire out of this. It's all about getting clubs in people's hands. So it retails for thirty nine ninety five. Yep. It hides for five bucks. Um, That's great. So to give you an idea at Oakley before I started, um, and if you want to take your family out, yeah. you got right. a couple of kids. Yep. Yep. You would have turned up there if you didn't have any gear. On the weekend, there was no discounts for kids at all. I've got to bring them out. You've been badgering me for a while. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm a persistent yeah. bugger. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, you would have been up for four $20 green fees, mm. and then you'd all need a set of golf clubs, yep. another 80 bucks. So now I've instigated that if you come out with your kids, I'll charge you as a junior as well. So we're 54 bucks, and if I throw the clubs in, it's, you know, we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're under 100 bucks, where it used to be 160 so it becomes... An afford, a really affordable option, cheaper than sitting in a calf. Sandy, if I no, not if when I come out with the kids, I don't want to bring my golf clubs. I want to play with this. No, well, that I mean, you look, know what I mean. I want to, I, don't, I want to feel, want I want to experience this yeah. thing. Well, you no, know? and you'll be surprised how how much fun it is. Mm. And look, for those of you who are already existing golfers, you can take me. I, I enjoy playing with it more than anything else. And I've got a leaderboard up there, which is magnetic, and you can put people's names on it. <laughs> and shortly, there'll be a guy who's played two majors. And, you know, some say he's a love child of a four-iron in the world, the world number one, um, but we just know his name's the TIG. And he's going to go around the course and set a course record with a reasonably priced club around a reasonably priced course. What do you reckon he'll set the record at? Oh, it depends on the magic of video that day. <laughs> it's going to be low, though. <laughs> it's great. Can you, before you go, um, so that's the Oakley Golf Club, one club golf, Sandy Jamison's a creator, and it sounds like a fantastic idea. And we should all go and experience it, I reckon, yeah. so we can talk about it through experience. I've, I've, I've inadvertently stood Sandy up a couple of times. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm on it. Can you tell us about what you've done with the card at Oakley? Yeah. Because I think this is pretty interesting. Uh, so what I, I suppose what I've done with Oakley full stop is I'm trying to get rid of any sort of stereotypes at all. So I got rid of red markers when I started. So we got um, yellow, white, and blue. Mm-hmm. And then all the indexes for the ladies and men and everything at Oakley were all the same anyway. So it's just um, it's just player and marker. There's no ladies on it. It's just one generic card for everybody. Yep. So you can go down there and play off any whatever, of the marker, whatever you want. Yep. I mean, it's, also how golf should be. Do, yeah. do what you like. Yeah. As long as you don't hold people up, speed of play. As long as you don't hurt anyone, safety. Um, and the rule: if you're struggling to hit the ball, make a smaller swing. Yep. And you'll learn because you're not stupid. You'll figure it out. Um, thanks for coming on the show. No it's worries. been too long. Um, and good luck with this. It sounds like it's already caught uh, caught on locally. Let's hope that, unlike a few things that are spreading at the moment that we want to have stop, <laughs> let's hope this spreads yeah. really quickly. Viral Sandy Jamison. Yeah, yeah it could be that. Could be that. <laughs> What's the website, mate? Um, oh, yeah. It's uh, obviously www.one, as in the, the number one, club.golf. Oneclub.golf. Oneclub.golf. Perfect. Dot com. Yeah. No, just dot .golf. It's a dot .golf domain. It's a, it's oh, a very geez. simple website because- um, You can work this out, mate. I don't <sighs> want to spend millions on a website just yet because hopefully there's some corporate partners coming on. There we go. Cool. I don't, that's just so beyond my brain, that stuff. Andy. You can deal with this. I'm sure you can. Oneclub.golf. Sandy Jamison uh, joining us on the show. We'll be back with more after this. Let's go back inside the ropes with Golf Australia. Welcome back to the show. Just about done here. Episode number 155. How good was that with Sandy? He's he's just 
I mean, you obviously, you go a long way back with him. Yeah, he, I mean, he's always had a really interesting mind. That's what I liked about it when I worked with him, um, you know, and I and so did everyone else. So he was the program leader for VIS with Dennis McDade when Mark Leachman was in, when I was in there with Jared Lyle, like, as I mentioned, um, just a really intriguing guy. And we're talking 15 years ago, like yeah. he was already ahead of the curve then. He, he did a, um, a couple of holes and helped big time with charity fundraising for a, one of the Jared Lyle functions at Commonwealth last year. And I got an insight, insight into I can't really talk too much about it, but he put some very specifically shaped balloons off the tee, Ali, <laughs> that Jared used to aim at. Can you shed any light there? Uh, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> but you know what? We He was one of the guys that encouraged. So like when you're on a VIS team with people or the Australian Institute of Sport when it was, um, when it was functioning in their golf program back then, we used to prank the hell out of each other. <laughs> I And Jamo was one of – he was – front end of I that. that um, I, I'll never forget. I once walked back and I've, I've driven home. I've got been to training. You know, you go and you get your osteo. Tina Mayo is involved, who's incredible. Um, and so then you go and you do your practice and you go home and you're like, all right, I've got the afternoon off. And I pull, I pull my bag out of the car and I'm like, gosh, this is heavy. Like, this is really heavy. So I'm like, that's odd. You know, maybe I'm just really tired. And so I'm like trying to get the car out. And then I just hear just this, this rolling. I'm like, what is this? Sure enough, I tip the I tip my bag out, and a bucket and a half of balls come out of the bottom of my bag, and I've been lugging this thing around, and so apparently the whole squad had this thing where they were just slowly right in front of me, and I never didn't notice, which is on me, putting just putting balls in, and it was like halfway at my my golf bag by the end Jamison. of it. Was, I know, dodgy, dodgy people. Uh, well, we just about done and dusted here. Any last words before we get a wriggle on? Or? Absolutely. Yeah. I've got one. I mean, I want to give a big nod to one of the events that did finish oh, last yes, weekend, course, the South yes. African Women's Open uh, yeah. down. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I thought it was incredible. Alice Hewson, a 22-year-old girl from England, um, walked away. She's a rookie on the LET, one in her first ever start on tour. Good Lord. Um, she was a couple of shots behind Olivia Cowan at the end of the, f- uh, the going into the final day, um, and just made some really good progress early in her round. Um, and yes, yeah, she set a record. No one from England has ever won in their first start um, in the women's tours, which was pretty cool. I, I think I looked back into it, and Athahara Munoz won in her first start as a pro on the LET back in two thousand and nine. I think it was in Madrid. Right, but. Um, Anytime, I love that. I love having to look back in the record books when uh, when these young guns Absolutely. come out and, um, you know, top 10 at the Augusta National Women's Amateur last year. She was top 20 in the World Amateur Golf Rankings, but just a really lovely girl as well. So great to see her She's get the big She's a good collegiate player, wasn't she? Um, good question, actually. Sorry, I didn't mean to throw yeah, you under you the did. bus. I, I, I wasn't aware of her in the college game. Okay. I, I'll be honest with you. I saw her... If, Play at Augusta last year, but before that, she hadn't really been on my radar. But she's certainly front and center on it now. It's a hell of a story. I'm glad you mentioned it, yeah, because it would have been remiss of us to have wandered through this well, hour and without getting her, without getting to mention it. A sure. couple now, though, as well. You know, like St- Steph Kiriakou, yeah. Alice Hewson. I yeah. mean, there's some. You know, you you want them to keep going so that they can keep having these opportunities. Yeah, these um, young little superstars to make their names known early on. How are you going to make your name known for the next? few weeks and months. <laughs> uh, good question. Gonna, I think I'm going to be cooking lots. Do you feel like you could just, do you feel like you could do with a break? Uh, yeah. I mean, you I, need to work, to, we all need to work to earn, but yeah. do you feel like you could actually, a forced break every now and again is not such a bad thing for some people? I was feeling mildly overwhelmed with how much work I had ahead of me at the start of the year. So the, a little bit of the break has been lovely. Mm. I've had, I think, four or five weeks off now because of, um, Thailand, Singapore, and China being cancelled on the LPGA. And so I went on holiday to New Zealand, which was amazing. I felt like I was on like a gap year because I didn't have to be home yeah, at any yeah, point in time. I was yeah. floating around, uh, with, not with a backpack, but, you know, pretty close. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it'll get old. Yeah, you, you, Eventually you I'll get, yeah, I mean, I love my job. I yeah. want to be out there doing it and I'm in the same boat um, as a lot of the players are. So, you know, there's so many people... Um, around the world that make their living off golf, whether it be the vendors or the events management or the TV. And, you know, and I'm really aware of the fact that I'm in a very privileged position within the media that, um, 
you know, I get I get paid decently. There's there's a whole myriad of people that have young families that work around me, um, predominantly in Asia, and I've been aware of that the last couple of weeks. And you know, you just send all of your good vibes to them, and uh, and hope we can all wait it out. Good on you. Let's go and have a hit one morning. It sounds a good Three plan to me. Yeah, right. Um, that's it. Another one in the can, as they say. Thanks to Sandy. Thanks to Lucas. Thanks to you two for coming in here and uh, doing Murray. it all again. And we'll be well. I think we'll be back next week to do it all again. I think I think the, we will. That's in fact, the current plan. In one, in some shape or form, uh, we'll we'll be back next oh, week. To do I it hope again. we are because we have some ripper guests lined up. So hopefully we right. can get across. If, if it doesn't happen next week, it'll happen eventually. No, but still, right come up. on, well, bring on, it bring it on. Inside the ropes, we'll provide. We'll be back next week. There's a guarantee to do it all again. Thanks for listening.